The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Hearing this gospel text, a colleague joked that it made her grateful for place cards. And I added my own gratitude for round tables. But all, all joking aside, Jesus isn't merely providing etiquette lessons or serving as an event coordinator in today's gospel. His instructions about where one should sit when you're invited to a feast and who should be included when you are doing the inviting are blunt criticisms of the wisdom of the time. In first century culture, there was a hierarchy to relationships that was not easily breached. Wealthy patrons controlled resources and meted them out to people of lower status based on personal knowledge and favoritism. Brokers such as temple priests and city officials mediated the relationships between patrons and those who needed the resources and therefore had power of their own, power to determine access and to influence the patrons. And then there were the majority of the people who were dependent upon the generosity of the patrons and the favor of the brokers. And they paid for that favor with public professions of loyalty. And any criticism would have been whispered or muted altogether. 
Also at this time, the elite were physically separated from the Amharats, the people of the land, who were the laborers and the tradespeople. The less influence or power that you held, the farther from the city center you lived. And the cities had walls and gates that were locked at the end of the day, shutting out people who were undesirable or landless. Likewise, table fellowship was designed to keep out the wrong sorts of people. Dinners were important social occasions that were used to cement social relations. So perhaps the Pharisee invited Jesus to dinner because he believed he was his equal. But it's just as probable that the religious leader wanted to put the outsider in his debt. Knowingly or not, when the Pharisee invited Jesus to the Sabbath meal, he set the stage for conflict. Jesus had already on three previous occasions been criticized for healing people on the Sabbath day. And in the verses that our reading skips, he heals a fourth man. Only this time, his opponents are silent. So now, Jesus is there with the Pharisee and with his other guests. And just as Jesus wasn't content to let a hurting human being suffer one more day, he doesn't hesitate to criticize the behavior he witnesses as they gather. He does not hold his tongue out of polite deference to the host. As Martin Luther would say, he calls a thing what it is. The scene Luke describes is one of people scheming and conniving to get the best seats at the table. As at celebrations you may have seen, the center table was the place of honor. And the farther you move out from there, the less importance your seat holds. It's human nature to want to move in toward the center and toward the position of power. But Jesus cautions the dinner guests against that compulsion, arguing they should allow others to be seated first and wait for the host to decide if they should be moved higher. And he doesn't stop there. Knowing that each has been invited and because of their reciprocal relationships will be expected to host in turn, he tells them whom they should include among their guests, saying, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. It's easy for us to dismiss the instructions Jesus gives, believing we would never treat people as currency and relationships as bargaining chips or expect loyalty or privilege in return for our generosity. It's easy for us to forget how insulated our lives can become and how rarely we encounter people 
with different backgrounds, social or economic statuses. And it's easy to assume that everyone we know sees the world as we do, or at least that they will when they come to their senses. But if we think that Jesus isn't talking to us, we miss out on what he is describing, which is the very reign of God. The reign of God that sees a person's worth comes not from their position, status, or wealth, or some external measure of the person, but from their beloved creativeness as a child of God. The reign of God that breaks down walls, crumbles barriers, and erases division, and replenishes love. The reign of God that is expansive, welcoming, and healing because all of us are impoverished when we, when we come before God. Our brokenness may be hidden better than our neighbors, but it is vividly displayed to God. Every time we gather for Holy Communion, we are God's guests at the heavenly banquet table. God, in divine goodness, flings wide open the doors and tells us, come and feast at the table. One of my favorite practices from the School of the Spirit that I completed last year was that as we entered that space, we went into the retreat house and we left our titles at the door. We came in just as we were, without our resumes, to willingly empty ourselves and stand apart was a countercultural practice in a world that defines me by what I do, what I have, or what others say about me. We don't come to the table seeking honor for ourselves, but seeking mercy. We come humble, stripped of the accomplishments we have and the, the accolades the world awards. We come hungry for the good gifts God offers us. And we are fed and nourished and healed to go out into the world as witnesses to God's boundless love and mercy. And then, following Jesus, we are told to extend that same divine invitation, especially to those who have been excluded, dismissed, or forgotten. We're reminded, as theologian John P. Burgess writes, that Christ sits at all of our tables, calling us into fellowship with people from beyond our immediate circle, sending us into the world beyond our comfort and norms. Jesus challenges us to invite others to the table, not to fill seats or make them indebted to us, but so that they would know God's love and mercy in their lives. 
We have opportunities in the next few weeks for fellowship and service throughout next weekend's God's work, our hands activities, and in the following weekend's congregation picnic. So I encourage you to ask, who needs the comfort of knowing God sees and loves them? Who could I invite to come to the table with me? Let us pray. Gracious and welcoming God, thank you for hosting a banquet where all are invited and all are fed. Thank you for your boundless compassion, mercy, and love shown by your Son, Jesus. Forgive us when we turn in on ourselves and seek our own gains, disregarding the others around us. By your Holy Spirit, give us courage to speak up for the poor and the dispossessed and to extend a divine welcome to all whom we meet. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.